I remember um, I would have to close my shop down at six o'clock and rush in rush hour Friday night traffic to get to her classes and be there late. And um, she was always so welcoming, so, so, so welcoming. And, um, you know, we do warm up and beginner skills and it would, and, you know, you would, it would usually be like a rainy, dark Friday night and you'd go eat a burrito afterwards at uh, the taco place down the street, which I can't remember the name of right now, but that was the thing. And it's, and, and then Anne had classes Sundays and Diego as well. There was three teachers who were basically all teaching their own version of beginners classes three days a week. And then the owner of the studio who taught his advanced classes, i.e. jams in the mornings. And um, I never went to any of the social jams, to be honest. I think they only held them once a month. Um, and the rest of it was just all skills. And we did we always did a round robin, but it wasn't about the social dancing ever. And um, yeah, I was doing their classes, mostly with Olivia, for about nine or ten months, strictly at Edom. And then I started getting into a couple of other workshops. Andrew Harwood came from Montreal. We did a weekend workshop with him. And then um, at this point, I had closed down my, my vintage clothing shop and um, was back and forth. I was still working a little bit online, but I was getting, I had more time on my hands basically and was like, I, you know, love dance. I've been in and out of various forms my whole life. Um, I can tell you my other backgrounds. I danced swing. I danced swing dance for five years socially, almost every single week, and took a lot of classes and workshops through that. Um, fusion. I did for about two. I did. I ended up doing that for about two years, also taking workshops and doing, going to festivals. And hip hop for about six years when I was a teenager. And we did like competitions and festivals. And I was at a studio like two, three days a week. Um, uh, so it's like, and I've also done jazz and ballet, but we, I hated that. Um, but that's my background actually before contact improvisation, but I've, I've always been, it's something that I do almost every week, you know, for like my whole life. Anyways, um, yeah, when I had the time and I had, had closed up the shop, I ended up going to Leviathan, um, which for those of you who don't know is, uh, Oh, it's on an off-the-grid island called Laskiti in British Columbia. Uh, it takes about half a day, like five or six hours even from Vancouver to get up there. And it's a walk on ferry. There there aren't any, you can't drive a car on. Um, it's it's super hippie off-grid, you know, running, running on generators and you hitchhike around the island in the back of people's pickup trucks. It's great. And Leviathan was built by Mark Young, and maybe I'll go more into him and an interview with him at another time, but it's basically a place you can go for long workshops, and you live together with other contact dancers out in nature. You camp in the woods, and there's a big-ass dance floor. Um, there's no right angles. The entire thing is like a curved floor that's built on top of car tires. It's the most beautiful dance, one of the most beautiful dance floors I've ever danced on. Um, but yeah, I ended up taking, Olivia was doing a summer workshop for two weeks and I, I really wanted to have more time training with her and, uh, cause I think she's such a wonderful teacher. She still is my f favorite teacher. I've always, I've never, 
you know, I would go in the first year and I would go, Adam would, Edom would do these, um, oh, they would do these performances that are, that are half contemporary dance, half, I mean, they call themselves a contemporary dance company. They don't actually call themselves a content improvisation studio, but that is what they are. Um, but yeah, they would do these performances that were contemporary dance and contact and, I've never seen such skill level from from like athleticism. She would just fly like like, and everyone else will also say this who's watched her, and she's so humble, but um. But I don't know how she does what she does. I've never seen another contact dancer. In real life, like, like she flies, and that to me is, astounding and watching. All right, everyone. So, I'm actually gonna interview myself, which might be super weird. But maybe let me go through my questions that I would normally ask others, as well as kind of touch on some points that I want to make about this beautiful dance, contact improvisation. Um, so yeah, I'm interviewing myself because I'm now, I guess, officially a part of this scene. Um, I've taught two workshops at the point the point when this will be coming out. I taught one back in June and I'm going to be teaching it again. And, um, man, I was so nervous to put myself out there in that way. Um, you know, I've been practicing this, this practice really intensely for about two years, which is quite a short time to be teaching, but there are other people I know who've, who've done this for about a year. And then, um, you know, if you have the, um, body awareness, if you have the skill level, if you have people asking you, if there is, um, you know, your heart is in it, which is where this was at with me, was I've, I've wanted to share this for a long time, and I wasn't sure when I would get to do it. I honestly thought I was going to go back and start teaching when I was back in Canada, and, and when I got stuck here and things started opening up again, um, I put together a workshop and it was really a, uh, a time where I had to kind of walk off the cliff into something new for myself and say, Hey, I'm, I'm putting, um, I'm going to put this out. Um, I spent about 40 hours writing, writing a workshop, which sounds so nerdy. Um, and uh, some contact teachers would be like, what the heck? I, I, you know, do everything off the cuff, which is fair, but for me, um, I wanted to kind of understand like the timing breakdown and um, to have some music and to really um, work through so many things. We worked through, oh, I had a two-day workshop back in June and we had 10 participants and that to me was a good size for the first one. Um, you know, especially we were trying to keep things smaller because, because of COVID. Um, but yeah, GMs had started opening up and, and more and more people were wanting to join in and I want to make sure that people have a really good um, baseline coming into this uh, um, and uh, just feel comfortable with themselves and with each other and can come in and, and really like have fun and feel empowered. That's what, that's what I want out of it. Um, yeah, teaching ended up being so fulfilling. I had, I had a point on day two where... Um, you know, I had a, I had a girlfriend, we, she, Faye, thank you, Faye, Faye came in and we, we had taught a class together last fall and she came in and, um, assisted me and, 
And I was able to just kind of sit back at one point on the second day while people were, were practicing skills. And I was like, wow, I just showed people how to do this and they're doing this and they're having fun with it and they're getting it and, and I'm able to break this down. And so if people are confused, um, I can show them. And it really brings me back to this beginner's mentality of, oh, oh I'm new at this. I'm new at teaching. And, and it's so funny. There's things in our body that are second nature once you've been doing it for a while. And like, how can I break this down for someone else? And and if it's not going smoothly for them, like, like why is that? Like, let's look at that. And, um, you know, I, I broke it down into skills as well as presence as well as body work. And we did more just like fun dance improvising things um, leading up into connection. And, and um, you know, we did the stand. We did creative writing and like mini round robin jams we did everything it was really really fulfilling and I got to go out for dinner afterwards with my students and a couple of them have now become friends of mine and um, I remember I just went home after my first workshop and went for a walk around the rice fields and felt so content I felt so good I was like I don't need to do a thing I can just sit on the couch and relax and it's, it's like, it's over, but it was like this happy fulfillment of like, um, probably the only other time I felt something like that in my recent adult life was when I opened my clothing shop, my vintage shop back when I was like 28 and I had worked for months, like blood, sweat and tears and putting this place together. And, and the first day I opened my shop, I had three sales, which was so big to me at the time. Oh my God, three sales. And I had people come in from the community and and bring me cards and flowers, and that was like, like I was crying tears of joy on the ride home, so, um, like, it was that feeling of, like, I've put something together, and I've worked hard on this, and, um, and it really solidified for me that I want to be doing workshops and teaching, um, I tried to hold a jam after that, you know, my, my, our regular, um, Helena, who's in this episode, um, had been moved to Chengu, and we were taking a break from jams, and I tried to hold one in, in, in lieu of that, because I had a couple friends bugging me to just, why don't you hold a jam wine? And I was like, okay, we'll try one and see, because you guys are asking. And I didn't, I don't want to do it right, at least not now. Um, you know, I want to go to a jam and be with the community and um, have fun. And, and uh, teaching is fulfilling. And to be honest, it's something I shied away from for a while that, that, oh, this is a desire of mine. And I had to really kind of come ground down and like, it doesn't matter what other people are doing that are, that are here, like it does, but I have something to contribute and um, I want to give this a go. And if people are excited and they resonate with what I'm sharing, um, then wonderful we have more people coming here um yeah this is back and forth for me for a while like do I call myself a dance teacher um but now I do and yeah it's going to be sporadic workshops here and there so if you want me to teach a workshop in your city and I'm coming through reach out I have a two-day two-day full-on four hours a day workshop written and um it's very accessible for anyone who's who's curious about the form, and uh, I can get a little bit into that with this as well. 
but let's go into, um, yeah, oh, so funny, like, I thought about doing this back and forth with the person, and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna ask myself questions, this will be funny, um, so let's go through the questions that I would normally ask people, and we just talked, I talked about this with Helena, actually, actually, after the, the last interview, you know, I said, I have the same, almost the same questions I ask everybody, but we get quite different answers and and everyone has a story and sometimes those stories overlapped and you can see common threads and it's really beautiful and other times there's something different so I'm going to ask myself my own questions let's go into it so my name name and where I'm from I Mariki last name is Schleifer um when I meet people I say it's Mariki rhymes with crikey or Mariah Carey and since we're in Ubud, they always say, like, Reiki? Are you a Reiki master? Um, so that's that's how I get people to remember my name. I'm from, born in Toronto. I don't tell people that too much. But I was pretty much raised my entire life in Vancouver, Canada and surrounding suburbs. Um, I've been... Ba, ba, ba. Tell me about the first time you discovered contact improvisation, what you thought and how you got into it. Um, so I first saw, experienced contact improvisation at a fusion festival down in Bellingham called Recess, and it doesn't exist anymore. Um, this was about three years ago that I went. Um, I think I had just opened my clothing shop and was taking, like, I wanted to plan something for myself for the summer. I had been working really hard for six months, and I saw randomly on Facebook, this dance festival. And in my mind, I had never even heard of dance festivals. I didn't know this was a thing. I had been going to music festivals my entire 20s. And, you know, I asked around with some friends. No one had heard of it. No one was going to it. And I was like, no one that I knew was going to it because it was across the border in the United States. Um, For reference, Bellingham is maybe an hour and a half drive from Vancouver. It's so close. Um, But you do have to go over to the border into the United States. And, um, I just booked it and went down on my own, like completely newbie. I was like, I had never even done fusion dancing before. I had been doing swing dance for about five years. And, um, that was my, I guess, primary practice. Um, I can get into my other background before that, but, um, but yeah, my primary practice at the time was swing dance and I just went to a fusion festival (laughs) And it was crazy. It was at this place called Lookouts Arts Quarry, which I would highly recommend anyone go to that venue for other places. It's um, kind of an artist's farmland where there's, you know, hippies that live in buses and greenhouses. And they have a they have a sort of like this they call it the rock quarry. It's this like water quarry with like a floating barge. And um, there's a Wild West saloon in the woods and we would dance. Um, this guy, oh my God, I don't remember his name right now. I'm so sorry, but he was running recess, this thing, um, that was basically this big ass school bus that was like Burning Man style that he would drive around the United States and hold different recess fusion dance festivals at different locations. They were in like Colorado and, um, the, the primary one was in Washington. It was actually the one that I went to, but they were all over the United States he would go to Burning Man, and um, they also did them in the, in the Europe at the time. I think they did them in Spain. They were going to do one in 
in England in a haunted castle, and that got shut down, but, um, anyway, I went, and, and I had the time of my life, I had never danced fusion, and for people who don't know fusion, it's a partner dance, um, in some ways it's, it's, leans more towards contact than, um, swing dance does, it's a lot more, like, close, close, close form, close, <laughs> there can be quite a bit of sensuality involved in it, like a crossover from blues, a lot of blues dancers go into fusion, um, you kind of invite your partner, whether they're a man or a woman that you're dancing with, you say lead, follow, or switch, so you have the opportunity to lead, follow, or switch means you might switch the roles, um, and it's, the music's really good, it's kind of like electro poppy, lyrical, and um, people come from a lot of different backgrounds. It might be swing dance, it might be contact, it might be salsa, but a lot of different partner dance forms um, get melded into it. And um, I loved it, you know, and at the time, you know, like I said, we were dancing in warehouses, we were dancing on lit up barges. There were also like uh, talent shows and burlesque shows and, and feature singers and all this stuff happened. I remember us eating like soup out of frisbees instead of bowls at midnight. Um, that would, that would be like a midnight snack that was served. And, um, yeah, I met a lot of people who were like very, very alternative hippie Pacific Northwesterners, both from Vancouver and Oregon and Washington was kind of like a medley of people from there. Anyways, there was, um, some contact memorization dancers there. There was a couple, a uh, young couple, I remember, that came up from California and they were rolling on the floor and doing all these crazy things and they were very in love and into each other, but they were dancing contact memorization. I remember seeing them and being like, that is the sexiest thing ever. Like, what are they doing? Um, like, so skillful at it. And, and I danced with... Um, a dancer who's from Vancouver called Michael Bean, um, who at the time was actually, he's interning, he was, um, he got like a scholarship, not interning, he got a scholarship at EDAM, EDAM Dance Company. So in Vancouver, um, the main place to go dance content memorization is a dance studio called EDAM and he was training there. And um, yeah, I met, I met Michael at at recess festival and we were dancing and we did some still we did some rolling point of contact with our arms and some lifts that to me were not were not swing dance I was used to being lifted I'm a small person I'll just totally divulge my height is five foot three I've I've been this height since I was 13 I had a growth spurt and haven't haven't gone up from there um but yeah we were doing these crazy like lifts you know lift lift things and I was very natural at flying um, and I had a couple dances with him like that and was like, oh my God, what, like, what are we doing? This is amazing. And was really like, like the, uh, adrenaline was up there. I was like super, super happy. Dopamine. Um, and yeah, I had a couple chats with him. And if you're ever in Vancouver and, and meet Michael, he's just like a beautiful beaming person. He's very like, he's very tall and he just shines with inner light and he's an actor as well. And um, yeah, I just, I ended up just chatting with him casually about like, what, what is this? Oh, this is content memorization. And if you're in Vancouver, come to Edom. And, and that's what I did afterwards. It took me like, you know, I, I think I started going to Edom a month later and was so intimidated. I will just straight up say, um, 
yeah, it's very formal in Vancouver. Like we have a we have a studio and um, the owner Peter Bingham um, trained with Steve Paxton. Um, he has Peter has Parkinson's disease. He teaches um, he teaches classes um, in the mornings to to the other teachers and to professional dancers and anyone if you if you want to go you need to have permission of, of his to, to come and he teaches just from a chair and um basically just calls out reminders for presence I've never been to any other classes like that and essentially to me it's a jam that's for advanced dancers now that I've been in other environments that's what I would call it but he calls it classes um and you just again just reminders to presence and it's really beautiful um but I didn't start out with him I actually started going to but but yeah I wanted to do and so I went there and we were dancing I think we dance we have like morning session afternoon session we're dancing about six hours a day and then there's an evening jam which is usually silent I think on Fridays we would have some like hippie local musician come in with his like like 1950s jazz tunes that were um so abstract and sometimes difficult to follow but it was essentially like no music. Um, Mark would have us do drills every morning. I think we'd put on like Led Zeppelin and be like, okay, you're doing crescent rolls across the floor for 40 minutes. And that would be our morning. We, it was like boot camp for contact. It was really intense. And my body hurt so much. I'd never had such a sore body and so many bruises. But I became so good at dancing in such a short amount of time like like truly I was dancing eight hours a day for two weeks um and you eat together and you hang out together and you become so so close with the people it was such a beautiful experience that to me was truly um truly life-changing it was very pivotal for me to be like wow this is more than just what I've done you know we did the underscore several times we did blindfold jams um you know we watched these videos like all of Steve Paxton's old you know, 1970s films on, like, a big screen about, like, The Stand and, and um, Nancy Stark Smith stuff, and I just was like, wow, I've been, like, inundated into this world um, and got bitten by the bug, and I think I came back, and right away it was Salt Spring Island Festival, um, and I went to that, and that was even more overwhelming. There was, like, 80 dancers. We had um, Paul Singh, a dancer, come from... Uh, New York City we had Martin Keogh who's um, written books and he's taught for like 30 40 years I think that was the last festival that he taught at before he he just retired but um, he's also a really incredible sought-after teacher and um, I think I got injured on the first day I was so choked a friend of mine came up to me and was really excited to see me and threw me I'm I'm a flyer right light I already mentioned this and threw me around and I whipped my neck and hurt my neck the first day so I was mostly watching classes to be honest but I was around some really beautiful like real dancers that had come from from even from United States and all over the place to go to that festival um yeah so those are my first experiences with the contact scene in the first year I went pretty deep and then in the last year I came to the place where I had sold off most of my belongings to go off to travel I th actually thought I was supposed to be in Australia this whole year I had an Australian work visa and I came first to Bali for a month for a contact beyond contact facilitator training which is um 
Vangelis' course. He was in a previous ep episode. And um, he teaches kind of a fusion between, like, very, um, at least in the first level that I did, like, basic contact memorization skills mixed with, like, healing. And what I really took away from that was more um, how to facilitate the space and hold space and um, structure track uh, classes. Um, and I fell in love with Bali at that moment. And I, I met um, my friend Faye, and we ended up teaching a class right after that for, for one class. But I wasn't, um, and I had so much fun teaching and organizing that one class with her. We, we were, um, you know, just finished the course and we were like, hey, like, who else wants to teach this as a group, like together? Because a bunch of us were still around a new boot, and I was the only other one who was like, "Yeah, I'm gung ho. Like, let's just do it." And um, we had a good turnout for it. But I was like on my way out of Bali. I had I had also um, planned some trainings in in Arambol and and Thailand, and and so she, I left, and she she carried on teaching, and it was very much her her style as well. She she I think it was like love beyond contact is what she was calling it, and ended up co-teaching co it with another um, friend who did CBC, um, Rin. So that journey just kept going, and you've heard about the rest of my journey in other episodes up to now, so you, you already know what's, what's going on in the last year. Um, We're going to take a short break just to talk about um, some exciting new projects coming out. Um, so we have Contact Body. This is a online contact improvisation course I've been working on um, for many months. It's based off of the beginner's workshop I've been teaching in Ubud. Uh, it's split into two, two segments. So solo body is all about um, solo improvisation. Um, there's Bartini with fundamentals and floor work and somatic practices, and it's really about tuning inwards to your own body. And then Two Bodies is about learning contact improvisation partner work. So these are two courses that are completely self-paced and available to purchase online for you to learn from home, the beginning foundations about contact improv. Um, so if that's something that's curious to you, the full details are on contactbody.ca, because I'm Canadian. And uh, you can learn all about that. And there's a promo video. And uh, also, please check us out at Faces of CI on Instagram for lots of inspiration and more about our interviewees. How do I place contact improvisation in today's context with what's going on in the world and with COVID? Hmm. To me, it's a place to still be creative. I mean, we've seen this a lot of people, you know, if, if you're not so familiar with the scene, there was like a ton of, of stuff coming out right away with Zoom classes. And it just shows how adaptable we can be. You know, I took some classes and it was like, how do we, it was more to do with somatics of how do we still get into our body? How do we still interact with our environment? How do we explore things anew? Um, the most like fun thing that I did was actually, um, it wasn't a Zoom class. Nancy Stark Smith has this on YouTube, uh, solo underscore, which is something she, mini thing that she developed for a festival. 
And it was like, how do you interact with your environment in a different way if it's just you and your environment? And there was a lot going on with that. And I think um, with that, like, I still wanted to be creative. It really did spark my creativity. I think I went out when this happened and I, I filmed myself, like, uh, a friend from the artist residency in Copenhagen was like, hey, I have some music, like, can you dance to it? And I was like, sure, why not? And went out into nature and, like, filmed some things and we kind of, like, made it mirrored and glitchy and it was more of um, just a reflection of... Um, like myself where I was at I felt like I was I think one of them I, I filmed and I call it trapped in a matrix which is really how I, I felt at the time of, of this kind of um, erratic trapped energy of like wanting to almost crawl out of my own skin <laughs> which is so like I feel very art school but it was like to me a bit of a performance piece that I didn't expect um, to come out of it um, but I think when any tragedy happens, you can call this a tragedy. This is a tragedy, right? Many people would call this COVID a tragedy. Um, you know, how can we make art out of it? I've had this conversation with many other friends and artists and, and, and what are we going to make out of it? Um, yeah, what are we going to make out of it? I also had to put out a call, um, for dancers you know, people just were friends from all, all of all of this the last two years. Who wants to participate in filming um, themselves dancing to the song called "Dancing with Myself"? And just you know, you can just be dancing around your house or your yard or like you know, it's a solo quarantine dance. And I had so many submissions. It was so fun to watch everybody, like all my friends, dancing and in their environments wherever they were in different countries and and to compile that together into one video it was just like the process of making that was more fun and like when I put it out I, I had good like feedback from everyone and people were happy about it but like the process of just like putting that together and making that and and seeing how can we still stay connected even though we're apart and seeing something that we're putting together as a compilation was um really rewarding so um in the context of what's going on, it's, you know, yes, we're disconnected, but still finding ways to keep connected is what I would say. Um, yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. So I dance this practice because, hmm, because it's the most, to me, reflective, self-reflective, self-inquiring practice in terms of dance and movement that I've come across as of yet. Um, talk about this always in this episode and, and other other places of 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 um, even today at lunch I was talking with some other dancers. Should have recorded it. Parts of it would have been good for this, but. Um, how I see everyone else is a mirror, how we're all mirrors for ourselves, how some days I can show up and, um, okay, I notice all the energies and the people around me and the different vibes and sometimes I might be turned off by a quality that I see on the dance floor and I ask myself, why, why is that, you know, and could I dance with that today, you know, there was someone, I remember when I was first dancing with her, she brought a lot of sensuality and emotionality into the dance floor and to me I was like, contact is not a space for this, this is just like, what is this? And, and some people would balk at that, but whatever. And I would f force myself a little bit to open up and to really see her and be like, wow, well, 
how could I dance with this part of myself that feels really emotional sometimes or wants to be really sensual at other times and how can I interact with her as me and incorporate some of those qualities into my dancing and so in that way my body and is picking up some of these pathways and these emotions of this other person and how am I letting that influence my dance and it could be that or it could be okay today I'm dancing with an 80 year old woman what is it like to dance as a grandmother what is it like to dance with someone who might have a disability I've danced with people who are blind dancing contact memorization I've danced with people who are clearly maybe going through something and they feel fucking angry that day sorry excuse my language um, like, what is it like to embody that? Not necessarily that I have to put myself into those situations all the time, but just really being curious of like, you know, this dance is playful and this dance is that and not to label or judge anything, but how can I see others as mirrors as a part of myself? It's almost like a, like a mini practice of like dancing with your shadows and shadow work. <laughs> But it's something that I that I brought up today at lunch of like this is how I, I see it some days. Um, it's like when I feel um, either a big attraction or a big repulsion to something like why is that and can I dance with that today? You know. Um, hmm. So what's frustrating to me about CI? Oh, that we're never going to know all of it. You know, like I, sometimes I think I just need... You know, in order to get to be a better dancer, you, you go through this period. I went through it this year of I need more skills. You know, I need more advanced workshops. I need more, you know, I need to dance with better dancers. I need to go here. And it's never ending, this, this ceasing quest for more that is per, permeates our entire culture, whether it's through work or finding a better house or, um, you know, a better, the best restaurant or a better lover or whatever, what have you. Um, sometimes just being with what is, is the most, the biggest gift that you can give yourself and to dig deeper into what is in front of you instead. Um, you know, dancing with the same dancers for longer periods of time, you know, you have this expectation of, oh, I see this person, I'm going to have this type of dance with them. Um, because you know them and you know their bodies and you know how they move and how can we still stay with that and create something new? Um, you know, some of my dancing after a while with the same people, I love them and I love dancing with them, but it's like, oh, like our dancing is the same. Like, how can I still stay committed to this and to still staying committed to the community and stay, stay committed to our dance and let it evolve? How can we bring something new into it today? Um, so yeah, this, this ever balance between like chasing something new, acquiring more skills, acquiring, acquiring, and just being with what's it is and, and being satisfied with, with what's in front of you um, at the same time and creating something um, that has depth to it. You know, it's like having like a long love affair versus a short fling. <laughs> um, four essential words in contact that come up for you. Um, hmm playfulness, unknown, the momentum, and the presence, 
those are four. Could also talk just on a similar note. I I tend to talk, I talked about this in the the first workshop about four principal dances I see in contact improvisation. This is sometimes I feel helpful for newcomers so that they are coming into the jam and they see so many different things happening and it can be very um, overwhelming if you don't have uh, context for it. And um, to me, I've danced in you know several different places at this point. Um, and I see a lot of the same things happening at almost every jam. And so I've kind of court categorized them, if you want to categorize it, into four types of dances that you have. And so I'll share with those with you. Um, and one, the most basic one that you see that's the most easily identifiable is, is like the skills acrobatic one. So it's people who are dancing um, based on technique, based on, you know, very like flying and sometimes it's A plus B equals C and then we go here and um, that's super enjoyable to watch but to me it needs to be transcended and, and it needs to be incorporated with with other improvisational skills at the same time. So that's the one that gets everyone hooked. They see it and they're like, whoa, like cool, I want to do that. Um, at least that's how it was for me. And then um, the second one would be just like the performance theatrical side. Like, um, yeah, like people who have, when I was a, in Dolores and Sasha's workshop, we actually had a whole performance section and people who were, you know, more like actors came in and different types of back singing and different types of backgrounds. And I got to see how that transformed the improvisation in the, spe in the space of um, like, like exactly kind of what, what Astrid said in that episode too, like I could go do a handstand in the corner and it's completely acceptable, you know, like bringing in, and some spaces don't like this, but bringing in like sound or bringing in like playfulness. I remember once during an underscore, we like, there was a bunch of us who picked up one girl who was lying like horizontally and drove her, like drove her. We pretended we were a bus driving her around um, the studio to different people and just bringing in like a lot of, I call it uh, also the like bratty child of like, how can I do this as a kid? Like, how can I, how can I do this as a kid? <laughs> like, how can I dance this dance as if I was like a nine-year-old? What would a nine-year-old do? Um, and sometimes for me, like I might bring in a little bit of that energy, like someone might be dancing with me and they're really like fast dancer and all of a sudden I will just flop to the floor and they have to catch me and I'll sit there with my arms crossed like a child like I don't want to dance again and it's like a joke that I have with some people but bringing in that element um the third one I would say is just complete presence um and those dances tend to be more of a meditative space for people who have a meditation more of a meditation spirituality background um they tend to be very slow moving and inquiring about our, in particular, like hands, like a slow hand dance. Um, and a lot of times, those are the dances that I dance with, um, the older dancers that come in, I mean like 60 plus, who, you know, maybe they can't go as fast 
um, or people who, who are very seasoned meditators. And those dances can be beautiful. And, and in those dances, I try to drop, I completely drop what's next. Um, and it's like a, a total co-creation of the next moment. And from the outside, it looks like there's nothing happening. Like, what are those two people doing looking at their hands? But from the inside, there's like a plethora of information at every single moment. And yet at the same time, I, I don't have my mind involved. Um, it's really beautiful. Um, and then the fourth one that I would see at jams, any, anywhere that I've seen so far, is like the sensuality aspect of sometimes it can be almost like this, this relational cat and mouse game, like, like man versus woman. Not, not always, but um, bringing in more of inquiring into sensuality and touch and feeling and energy. And it can look, I've, I've now was had like a quite a, maybe also like would look down on that when I first entered, at least the Ubud CI scene, there's a lot of that happening at jams. And um for sure, at times it can be crossing boundaries or things that are like to seasoned contact dancers, they would say that is not contact improvisation. Um, but to be in that space, I also notice the similar quality to the dances that have a lot of presence in them, the meditative state. And also, um, depending who you're dancing with, for sure, now that I know them, uh, a sense of, of care and trying to offer care and um, through touch and exploring that um, in a safe way with people that have loving intentions but enjoy to enjoy exploring that side of the dance which is unique to probably both this scene and in Copenhagen um, but those are the four types that I would see on the dance floor uh, the technique acrobatic, the um, performative theatrical bratty child, the presence, mindfulness, meditative state, and the sensual feeling, explorative, si explorative side. Um, yeah, so I thought I'd share that as well. And on that note, I think I'm done talking about myself for now. <laughs> Stay tuned for what's next. I'm not sure when else I'll get to be in another location, given the state of the world. Um, but we'll see if we have some other talks, maybe with other people in Ubud, or I might try some long distance interviews with people back in Vancouver. So, so I'd like to leave you today with Nancy Stark Smith's editor letter from the source book. This was from volume two, 1976 and part of her letter, her opening letter for the magazine. On the basic ground that we stand, and from that stand we swing out, into our overlapping worlds to collect material and enthusiasm to channel back through the center and out as far as it travels, arriving safely and with news. Contact is interface, and though there are only certain faces you've seen before, there are many more where they came from, Parallel transparencies. Two people inventing electricity within days of each other on opposite sides of the globe. Coincidence? Yes, coincidence. And in a likewise but less dramatic manner, we find more of each other every day. Contact improvisation has the unique quality of being believed. 
whether admired, respected, scorned, berated, inflated, or ignored, yes, real time, yes, real bodies, yes, real people. This particular credibility allows contact improvisation and those involved in it to run tangent to many worlds, relating deeply in those worlds without either becoming distracted or diluted. In fact, the communication which we continue to develop among ourselves and articulate in our dancing serves us well outside our immediate numbers. It is what creates our access to the unfamiliar faces, the rapidly surfing and as of yet unsurfaced numbers of people who are working with the material of their lives in just such a direct manner as we attempt in our teaching, performing, and writing of contact improvisation. We stand together at the ring of the watering hole. Our weight brings the water up and our bodies the weight down. And so that's where we come from and here is where we are. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Keep on dancing. And as usual, you can follow along uh, on Instagram at Faces of CI to see more inspiration, content, and words and photos, of course. <laughs>